Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. All right, welcome to the show, Gearheads. We are excited. We've got racing coming up, Formula One, in about a month. And this is one of the four special preseason shows that we're going to do to get you up to speed and excited about Formula One because we are. This is John Massengale. Jonathan Green is with me and special guest Dave O'Neill, who's going to be with us throughout the season, former team manager of the Haas F1 team. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. And Les, Les Kaiser is going to be back with us next week. He's not going to be here this week. But let me run down what we've got on the show, because speaking of the Haas F1 team, in just a moment, we're going to bring on the team principal, Gunther Steiner, and really excited to have him on. And we're going to get his take, what he's been doing all this throughout this pandemic shutdown. And we're going to get lots of his insights about what to expect this season, what they've been doing. And we're also hoping to have really the highest ranking American in Formula One ladder, and that's uh, Juan Manuel Correa. And he just got through with some online racing, so we're hoping to have him later in the show. But we're going to talk about everything that's been going on, everything from uh, the, the the upcoming F1 season, the races, how they're going to have, what's going to be different, and you name it, from reverse grids to you, you whatever you can imagine. So it's going to be an exciting show, and we are very excited. And in fact, we're going to go ahead and bring on right now the team, the team principal to the Haas F1 team, Gunther Steiner. Gunther, welcome back to Speed City. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, we're doing great. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. All good here. Uh, you're in North Carolina, right? Yeah, I'm in North Carolina. Well, we're excited to have you back on the show, and we are really getting excited about Formula One, but we got to step back a little bit with these crazy times in 2020 and with the pandemic and everything that's been going on in the United States here, but how have you been getting along during all of that? No, uh, uh, thankfully, and uh, uh, nothing happened to me or my family. You know, I've got family in Italy and everything is good there, but in, in North Carolina, I came straight back from Australia to here uh, early. Obviously, we left on Saturday, got here on Saturday, and uh, haven't left since. Uh, I had to go once to uh, Los Angeles uh, to visit Mr. Haas uh, for a day, but otherwise I was here and just working along, and I have to say, what have you been doing? A lot of people think uh, we haven't been doing anything in these three months, but uh, some of us have been working hard because uh, this is quite challenging for Formula One, having uh, uh, not knowing where where we are going. Uh, when, when we stopped racing, we didn't know when we start again. Uh, we didn't know anything. Uh, we, we didn't know how much, uh, uh, how our finances will look for the rest of the year, because obviously the income is coming from going racing, or, or some of it, not everything. Uh, you need some other money as well, but uh, nobody knew how this pandemic is going to develop. And I think we still don't know, to be honest. But uh, uh, as you mentioned before, uh, we go back racing pretty soon, which is uh, a blessing in the sky for us, uh, to be honest. At least you've got a target. We work for something and uh, 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 we get ready now. So in a few weeks, we go racing again. So that is the, the, that's the good thing for us. 
Well, Guther, have you guys been communicating as a team? I mean, like everyone else in the world using Zoom and Skype and whatever else they can, is that how you guys have been communicating? Yes, we have been communicating always and we are used to that uh, because we have got bases in the US, uh, uh, in Italy and in England. So we were uh, quite used to video conferencing, but uh, with the team was, uh, uh, there is the FIA shutdown normally in August where all the teams have to stop working for two weeks. This stop was taken early and uh, prolonged. Uh, it was actually, instead of two weeks, it was seven weeks when nobody was allowed to work except administrative staff. So uh, with the technical staff at the race team, there was not a lot of contact because we couldn't speak about uh, uh, developments and going racing and anything operational anyway. So it was like with the top management, we were, I was in contact, uh, just telling them what was going on. But the main work was done with the other teams, working on the budget cup, uh, working when we go back racing, how we go back racing, there, has, uh, uh, there was a lot done, but uh, we, we only used uh, uh, video conferencing, Zoom, Teams, whatever is around, we used it. Gunter, i got to ask, I mean, what kind of shape is Haas F1 in as we approach uh, Austria? It's the same for everybody, I get that. But, I mean, we all know that, you know, you've, you've kind of got your base in uh, North Carolina and then you've got uh, the Europe contingent and then everybody's got to get to Austria and so on and so forth. So from a logistics point of view alone, it's got to be hard, um, but I suppose the only way to look at it is that you're in the same boat as the other teams. Yeah, no, uh, 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 fortunately, 98% uh, of the race team, uh, of the actual race team is based in the UK. So we are in the same position like the other teams. Uh, you know, these guys are pretty good. If you get to Formula One, they are pretty good. So uh, they, they went back to work, uh, not all of them. Uh, last week to get everything ready because after Australia we immediately had the shutdown done so we just opened the boxes so nothing uh, uh, stays humid or anything and, and, and then and now they're coming back and organizing everything putting the cars back together again so uh, just to get ready but that is not I mean that is one thing which I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, uh, very calm about it because I know we have got good people there and uh, like we left Australia, we should have gone to Bahrain the week after. We have got instead of one week now, we got four weeks. So uh, that will be all fine. It's all the rest, which, uh, you know, with the testing and all that stuff, which needs to uh, get done, which is new to us. All the other things are routine to the team. Well, Gunther, what about how do you guys go racing safely? I mean, I, I, we've been watching NASCAR and, and, uh, and now IndyCar this weekend. But what are you guys doing? How are you going to, you know, we heard the rumors of biosphere and everything. How are you guys going to stay safe? Yeah, there is a lot going on. We got the protocol uh, yesterday, actually, the final protocol, how we do it. And I still need to read the details because it's so long, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the thing. But uh, it's, they, they put something in place. Uh, very, We are very cautious to go racing. We don't want to affect any uh, anybody in the countries we are going, but we don't want to be affected from them. And we don't want to affect other teams. So we are living like in, I call it little bubbles. There is uh, 10 bubbles in F1 and F1 is a big bubble to the outside. So we are doing everything uh, very isolated be between the teams. Uh, we are not sharing staff or anything, but also when we are in each country we go, uh, the team is just allowed to go to the hotel and to the racetrack. Uh, we, we have, uh, uh, everybody has got a single room for the first races. So between the, the team members, uh, the, the, there is the least contact possible. Uh, the riding in the higher cars uh, is limited to two in each higher car. Uh, we have got charter flights, we are not flying commercial. Uh, and the charter flights that got social distancing in the, on the flight. So it, it's very well organized because we need to make sure or as, as safe as we can be, because you can never be 100% safe with a pandemic. I mean, we need to be conscious of that, but we, do, we, we need to do the utmost not to affect anybody and not to be affected by anybody. And uh, FOM and FIA are doing uh, a great job and putting a lot of work behind this to, to make it that way. Hi, uh, Dave here. Um... I, um, I've been sort of following the um, the esports and how that's sort of blown up over the um, the last few uh, few months. Um, and just wondered how, what your take on that was, and whether you you think it's something that you should be uh, should be or probably are involved in. Um, and just just wondered where you think that's going to sort of rock it off to, um, you know, as and when um, the season gets going, whether it will carry on the traction it's already got. 
before we go to esports, I, I got almost scared. I was back in 2017 to hear it like on a radio, Dave, you know. It's like, you know, on the radio, on the intercom radio, you know. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, I'm a time traveler, you know. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask you how your garden was. I mean, that's got to be in ship-shape condition now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no. Today the garage, the garage cleaning was going on after seven years. But I think we bore our uh, our listeners uh, when we did our homework. But <laughs> but no, good, uh, good to hear you, Dave. And uh, I mean, <laughs> hey, well, so good. So what do you have in that garage? What are you driving that in there? You would not believe it. A, a 2008 Toyota Tundra. That's my car, you know. So I have nothing fancy, nothing else. But it was a messy garage in itself, you know. If you just put stuff in there and never clean it up, so I'm I'm actually broken today. It's pretty hot here today, so uh, it's uh, uh, in the 90s, low 90s, so and humid. So oh, I had to stop an hour early to calm down before I go on to the show, you know. So now now we go back to Dave's question, which uh, will be a lengthy one as well. So. I, I mean, uh, you may know that I'm, I'm, I'm getting older and I'm not into esports a lot. I know a little bit because we have got two drivers in, in, in one of the series since last year. But uh, I think it is a good addition to real racing. Uh, it gives the opportunity to people to, to be involved in racing by not having an expensive race car. We all know how expensive that one is to go racing, really. But uh, I I think it it will not be a competition with real racing. It will be an addition. That's my take on it. And uh, uh, it's, I, 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 a few weeks ago, I looked into a little bit more because I, I didn't grow up uh, with this game. So it's something for me quite uh, uh, distant uh, because uh, maybe I don't understand it. I said I'm getting older. So uh, I, I, not, not having anything physical for me, it's very strange. You know, just having a game, it's very strange. So, uh, but, but I... Uh, I think it was a good thing to, to have uh, uh, while we were not racing. And I think it, it, it picked up some momentum while we were not racing and it will continue. But I think it will be a, a, an addition to the real racing. So that's my take on it. And uh, uh, I, I hope that somehow with having these people driving esports, they then get involved in real racing with the uh, actual cars, which would be fantastic. Uh, knowing that uh, racing actual cars is very expensive, as we all know. Well, uh, Gunther, I want to ask you about, you know, this strange year of 2020 and with the strange season we've got ahead of us, I think this is going to give us maybe some opportunity. And the one thing that keeps popping up is this reverse grid. And I wanted to see how you felt about that because there's, and, and there is several different ways to think about it there, you know, there, there's no decided on format, but the discussion has been started. How do you feel about it? As you said, a challenge gives also opportunities. That is always in life. So I, uh, uh, when it was brought up for discussion, uh, and as we are racing now in at least in two places twice, uh, a week after week, like in Austria, we have got uh, two races in two uh, weekends and in Silverstone the same. I think it would have been a nice thing to have the second race on a reverse grid to mix up a little bit. Because in Formula One, we know how the first race goes. Normally, the second one will go, especially if you're on the same track because everybody comes there very well prepared. So there is not a big uh, uh, sh shifting around of positions. So I, I, I would have seen as an opportunity like you, let's try it. But I always in the opinion, you try something and you need to be strong enough if it doesn't work to go back to where you were. And th that doesn't harm anybody. If we do it for once or twice and see, it's actually not what we expected it to be, to spice up the show, to uh, to give more interesting racing. It is something which actually is too much show and not enough racing. We should just say, hey, we tried it. Uh, let's go back uh, uh, what we had before, because what we have in the moment, I love qualifying. I mean, uh, I mean, and Dave knows that. That is where I, uh, that is the hour of, 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 uh, of my weekend or of the, uh, if you have more of the months, you know, going qualifying, just uh, outright speed, you know, go out there and, and put a lap down with the race car. There's nothing more exciting than that for me, you know. So, but I, I think sometimes, sometimes time develops, time changes. So we need to try to do something new. And if it doesn't work, we go back to the old way. But maybe we learn something because uh, uh, like a lot, Formula One has changed a lot of things since it was uh, started a long time ago. So uh, I, I'm a little bit disappointed that we're not going to do it, but uh, you never know if there is not another opportunity that we can do it uh, at some stage. Yeah, good. To, uh, it's interesting. It feels like an eternity since we last spoke to you just before Australia. 
But um, I, I want to hop back a little bit to that conversation because, as is always your one, you were very honest and very forthright uh, last time you were on the show because you said this is a critical year for Haas Formula One uh, because Gene just doesn't, you know, just doesn't want to look at the idea of, of finishing, you know, at the back again. Uh, we've had this layoff. We're now going to go week to week to week. So, like I said, in many ways for the, for the fans and for yourself, they need to understand that this is a critical year for Haas to perform in, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, things have changed a lot since we spoke last, as you said, and, and, and it seems an eternity since we spoke, you know, for me as well. If I think that only four months ago we were testing in Barcelona, if somebody asks me about the test, I have to think because it seems like years ago. So, uh, but anyway, uh, I think a lot of things have changed. Uh, and for sure, you guys know that uh, the budget cap has been reassessed, uh, has come down for, uh, for what it was uh, a few months ago uh, for the reason, because a lot of teams got not in trouble, but uh, it's very difficult uh, to survive as a team with not knowing where you're going and having less income, obviously, th uh, this year. So what has changed as well, the car for next year will be the same car as this year. Uh, uh, mechanically, you can change some aerodynamics, but, uh, uh, but nothing big will change. We need to keep the same chassis. Uh, uh, so a lot of things have changed. So I think the last three months, they were very uh, tough uh, for, for, for Haas as well, because uh, Gene wanted to see what is happening if we go back racing, if we don't go back racing, what is happening. So I think in the moment, uh, uh, we, we are in a good spot. Uh, I think we still have to perform. But I, I, I think now the performance, we have also to focus on 22 with the new regulations, with the budget cap. So that is now... The, I, I call that uh, the new Formula One. It's coming in 22. Uh, I, uh, I think for us, tw uh, 20 and 21 are uh, survival years, which we will, we will survive. They are not challenging to survive, but we just need to do the best what we can, but uh, spend the least amount of money and let uh, uh, and have like a restart in 22 when everybody developed a car on a very similar budget because the small teams, or at least I'm, I have to speak for, for, for us, we will not be uh, on top of the budget cap, but we will uh, a little bit below it. But it, it will, it should equal out the field, and with equaling out the field, uh, that will come 22 onwards. Maybe 22, there will be still be a little bit of a gap, but then it comes down again, and uh, it just flattens out. So uh, I think we are in a, in a lot better position in, in that way for going forward for Haas, and, and I think uh, uh, G now uh, wants to see what is happening, but he he's committed to uh, to at least this and next year so uh, uh, let's see what we can do but i, I i'm i'm uh, in f1 you're nev never calm and dave knows that you're never nothing is 100 percent in f1 but i'm as calm as i can be in the moment that we have got a very good future in front of us with the budget cap with gene supporting us with the uh, uh, with the new opportunities with the budget cap having the same car next year so we're not having to put all this work in again uh, to make a new car with the same regulation but keeping this one so uh, I, i'm actually the three months everybody worked very hard uh, I, i'm pretty happy with them with the last three months what we have achieved well we need to take a quick break Gunther. i hope you can stick with us through the break and uh, you listen to speed city we're live from austin texas and we'll be back after a quick break As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show, Gearheads. We have uh, the Haas F1 team principal, Gunther Steiner, on the phone. And we also have uh, Dave O'Neill here in Austin with us. And Dave, you got a question for your old boss. Yeah, um, I, I was quite um, intrigued to see the, you know, the start of um, winter testing and um, the innovations that are coming out. You know, the covers have been pulled off the cars, um, and one in particular, um, I'm sure there was loads more, but one in particular sort of stole the headlines. Seemed to be the um, the DAS system, and it was just a question, Gunter, on you know, when you see something like that come out, is is that you know, top of the list to, to get to the drawing board and, and try and see what's happening and see whether you can put it on the car in six months or or um, or other teams looking at similar sort of um, innovations but not, you know, haven't, haven't um, maybe stole the limelight on it. Uh, as you well know, uh, Dave, for small teams, there is a lot lower, uh, a lot lower hanging fruit, uh, fruit around. So... I saw it. It is interesting, but uh, we wouldn't have the capacity to do this or the resources to do this. But uh, we buy our steering system from uh, Ferrari, and uh, for this year we had also quite a complex steering system. Nothing like nothing like the, uh, the Mercedes one, where the driver can influence the door in door out. We don't have that. Uh, but uh, I, I think the advantages are are, are very small uh, uh, for it, and. Obviously, norm, normally, and again, it happened afterwards, you say, yeah, with hindsight, you know now, but normally when something like this comes out, uh, the FIA uh, says, okay, you can have it for a period of time and then it will be banned. And that is what it, what, what happened. They allowed it uh, to have it this year, but from 21 onwards, it, uh, uh, such a system or something similar to this will be banned anyway. So we didn't really spend any time thinking uh, of it. I mean, for sure, it's always interesting to see uh, the technology which goes into it, but uh, the big teams, uh, Mercedes, Red Bull and Ferrari, they have got so many resources. They are looking to find uh, uh, thousands of seconds uh, for huge amounts of money. Uh, so uh, I, I think the smaller teams can just not, haven't got the resources, neither uh, personnel-wise uh, nor uh, financial-wise. So uh, we are always a little bit behind. But uh, as we said before, uh, things like this in the future, uh, they, they will go against the budget cap, and I don't know if if I would rather spend something uh, two three million on, or at least two three million on such a system. I don't think that's enough two three million to develop it or to develop the car in aerodynamics. So I, I think the, uh, these things will go a little bit away. Really finding thousands of seconds for real real big amounts of monies. Okay. Well, Gunther, I, I have a question for you about this. You know, we, earlier in the show we talked about this anytime you have something happen in the world like this there's always opportunity to come out of it too but what about this season we have a lot of american fans of the Haas f1 team that might hope for something that could you never know what could happen in a season like this maybe this could be some could something come be an advantage for Haas f1 uh, difficult to say normally <laughs> yeah yeah exactly no uh, and you know that i'm realistic normally not but uh, the advantage could come that you need to be prepared because very much uh, people put a lot of focus not on new parts on the car, but what we have got to be reliable, to be in control of everything, because the races are coming so fast after each other, so you cannot make any mistake. And if you don't make any mistakes, which is a, a big challenge in 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 a as, as as all the all the fans or gearheads like you call, call them, which listener into which listening into. Uh, uh, it's very difficult to do in F1 not to make mistakes, but that is what we are focusing on, not trying to make developments, because developments 
take also always time that you understand them when you put them on the car from the wind tunnel. So we go out there and try to do the best, make no mistakes, be solid, uh, and uh, and hope that the other ones somehow slip off, you know. But I, I think the, the, the grid is, uh, will be set after three or four races like normally. And uh, I hope we are fighting in the midfield. There is this year, uh, it looks like in Barcelona, uh, a lot of the teams are in the midfield and it's very tight. But Again, it seems so long time ago that we that we were testing it that I almost forgot about it. But uh, it's, there was four teams. I think we are in three tenths of a second between the four of us, and that is in testing where you don't know the fuel loads or the engine modes we are using of each other. Uh, just ten kilos of fuel makes that difference in Barcelona. So I, I don't really know. I'm, I'm, I, I try to be optimistic, realistic. Uh, and hope that we can uh, fight with a few other ones, with a few bigger teams. So, but uh, we, we don't have long to wait now. Uh, Ulster is coming up quick now, and then we will see. Yeah, speaking of that, when are you guys going to start getting together in person? I mean, when are you guys going to start heading into the office, as they say? Uh, the guys in England, they are heading in. Uh, some headed in last week. They started last week, some of the people. Uh, uh, a few more uh, or some more start this week and then next week everybody will be starting because we have to do some pit stop training uh, and you need everybody there of the mechanics and uh, and everybody engineers maybe a few stay still working from home but uh, uh, a week before we go to austria uh, everybody will be in uh, just to uh, get uh, the last uh, bits and pieces ready and uh, i will join them uh, i think on thursday when i get to austria before the race Gunter, obviously everybody's uh, working around the clock to make motor racing full stop as safe as possible. And, and I'm actually surprised that we've gone back as, as quickly as we have, given, given, you know, especially here in the States. But I wonder what you and Gene have learned being in the home and, 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 and right at the epicenter of NASCAR and obviously with Gene involved in that. Um, I mean, how much, what pointers have you learned? We've, we've read on the on the Internet that that both NASCAR and IndyCar have, have all been interacting with Formula One to, try to for everybody in the community to help each other when it comes to safety. So, you know, has that been a, an integral part of being around, you know, around um, Charlotte to, 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 to sort of understand what, what's going on and, and how they got about racing so early? Yeah, obviously living here, uh, I'm very close to, to NASCAR and, and uh, uh, my life, uh, uh, having spent my life in racing, uh, I couldn't wait at least to have some racing. And when NASCAR came along and said they started off, I couldn't almost believe it when they went to Darlington. Uh, but how, how quick they did it or how early they did it, not quick. Uh, but I think they're doing a good job. Uh, it's a little bit easier in NASCAR than in Formula One and not easier, I'm saying uh, easier as a, as a job. It's just like you, you need less people. Uh, the, the, the big the big issue in F1 is you need 60 people to run the two cars. You cannot do it less. You can just not do it. I mean, uh, we have it down to 58 operational people going to the racetrack to look after the cars. We are allowed 60. But if you go below that one, you cannot run these cars. They're so complex. While in NASCAR, yeah, uh, I think they've got uh, an average of 15 people uh, for one car. So that makes about half of what we need. So it's because for two cars, obviously, it's 30 then. Uh, so I, I, I think, but they did a good job. I mean, even if I just see them on TV. Uh, there's not many people there. They kept really people away and they, and they try to make it as safe as possible. The other advantage NASCAR had and uh, to starting earlier was they could race very close by, so they didn't uh, have to use uh, aircrafts to get to, uh, to the races. They, they all could drive. Obviously, Darling is an hour from Charlotte. Charlotte is in Charlotte. So, I mean, the, uh, uh, the first a little bit further away race is this, uh, is this weekend in Atlanta. But I think they still drive there. I haven't actually asked if uh, some of the drivers will take their planes, but they will fly on their own. But the, I think the, the crews, they drive there. So uh, I, I think it's, uh, uh, it's a lot to learn and just to, to look at each other. What can we learn? I'm, I'm really looking forward to watch the IndyCar race today. Uh, again, having some more racing. And uh, I find open wheel uh, oval racing really exciting. And uh, I, I, I like it. It's very, I mean, challenging and you need to be brave, you know, and I respect these guys going around in, in Texas on the oval. Uh, uh, Having not raced this year yet, going to Texas Oval, it's quite brave. And uh, uh, you know what that means. You've got big, I cannot say the word here, but uh, that's what it means to have. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And well, Guther, we are out of time. We thank you so much for coming on again. And we definitely want to check in with you as the season goes along. We got a lot of Americans that are fans and, and are going to be, as you put it, optimistic and realistic at the same time and hoping you guys do well. But but thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. And thank, thank you for having me. And uh, see you soon, guys. Anytime I'm here for thank you. you. Thank All you. Right. Bye see now. you soon. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. All right, well, let's go ahead and go to break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to continue the Formula One discussion and uh, continue down the path of all the different possibilities of what's going to happen during this crazy 2020 season. Get us into Speed City back after these messages. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP-inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hello to everyone, this is Gunter Steiner, this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We are very excited because we have another guest. I wasn't sure we were going to get him, so I didn't commit to it because both he and Jonathan were just doing the Trans Am racing moments ago. Jonathan, why don't you introduce our next guest? Well, I'm delighted to welcome once again. We had him on the show a few weeks ago when he uh, took his first venture into Trans Am, and that was quite a baptism of fire, but he did it at Barcelona, and now today, he returned to the place where, sadly, he had a big crash last year, but uh, faced his demons. He is, of course, America's top single-seater driver in Europe, and that is Juan Manuel Correa of Miami, Florida. Uh, and Juan, welcome back to Speed City. We just had uh, Gunter on the show, uh, so it's great. We've got, we've got the top brass from Formula One uh, paddock today. Um, how was uh, the experience of racing back at Spa? You got a top 10 in the second race. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I, I guess you saw the race. I, I heard you were commentating it. So um, it was it was pretty chaotic. Uh, first yeah. race, I got put in the wall about uh, 15 times. <laughs> so my car was pretty messed up. Um, but yeah, in the second race, managed to come back. I think it was two ninth from, from the back to the grid. So... Um, I'll take that. And and more than anything, you know, it was just a lot of fun. Um, like like I told you the other day through message, Spa is one of my um my favorite tracks, even after the accident. Um then, you know, many people ask me what does it feel like to to go back to, to that track and you know, I, I must say the first few laps I did in the sim, um it does bring some memories, but um, you know, after after a couple laps it's just like any other racetrack and, and it's a lot of fun. So I enjoyed it. 
You also brought uh, Picho, Toledano, and Javier Gonzalez. Are they friends of yours? Yes, yes. Actually, Javier couldn't race. He had some problem with the software. Uh, but Picho was uh, with me. We were streaming together as well, and we were connected via um, via Discord. So it, um, it was it was a lot of fun. He's uh, an ex race car driver. He he drove up to Indy Lights, I, I think. Back, but he's a bit older than me. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of using the time at home right now to uh, you know do a bit of sim racing, have some fun. I'm playing video games with friends, and I'm, I've gotten into streaming uh, with a live webcam which is something I never thought I would do, but uh, here I am. So <laughs> it's like a new year, new me. <laughs> well, one, I, I want to ask you, what do you think your timeline is to get back into a car? I mean, I think that's what this is really, that's what you, that's what we all want to know about an American in your position. Yeah. Um, so it's not like um, a black and white answer. So I cannot give you like, you know, this is the date because, it's all very relative to how the um, how the surgeries go, how the rehab goes, and how the process um, continues to to improve. Basically, um, I I was hoping since the beginning, you know, when when this happened, the first like kind of timeline um, I got from the doctors was uh, that pretty much I wouldn't be able to to walk for probably a couple of years, even. Uh, and, and definitely no racing for at least two to three years. So that was the initial forecast, um, which I was not very, very happy about. Um, and uh, after a few months in the hospital, I, I kind of set myself a goal because I'm a person that works a lot with, with goals, personal goals. I just set myself a goal for something and I tried to achieve that. And I told myself I want to be able to drive a car in, in a year's time. And this was in uh, November of uh, 2019, last year. Um, so obviously now I'm uh, basically halfway. And uh, I, I think the goal is gonna be tough, tough to achieve, to be honest. Um, I see at my, at my progress, it has been phenomenal, much faster than the doctors anticipated. Um, but I'm not sure if I can make it to November, but I'm still, kind of striving for that and if it's not november of this year you know if i can get in a car early next year that would be perfect that would mean i can probably do the 2021 season uh which really would be the best case scenario um but you know i, I kind of keep this uh hard goal in there to kind of keep motivated and, and you know I just look forward and, and do my rehab because it's not a nice thing to do but uh at the same time i i am aware that you know if i cannot make it for 2021 I, you know, it's not the end of the world if I if I miss another season, um, especially with this uh, crisis where basically they haven't done this season pretty much. Um, you know, it, it's not it's not that bad for my career, so I'm also willing to come back in 2022. So I, I just have to wait and see and keep pushing. Um, hi, Juan. It's uh, Dave here. Um, I, I was just um, kind of interested to see, you know, obviously you're very strong um, in the mind and you, you've set your goals and, and what you want to achieve, which is, which is awesome. Um, but one of the things I was kind of interested in is how, how have you sort of managed to take the plunge, you know, physically with your training side um, when you obviously were training quite a bit before um, the accident and you had, you know, you had goals and you, you were getting fitter and fitter each week you were training and how have you sort of stepped back into that with, with only being able to use maybe, you know, sort of three quarters of your, of your body, um, whether you're swimming or, you know, with other yeah. means of, of exercise. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a challenge. Um, and it, it was very, it was very frustrating especially in the beginning, you know, I, w I was coming from, in, in August, right before the crash, I was in my, my peak <laughs> mental and, and yeah. physical state I, I had ever been. I was kind of a, arriving to the peak of my career uh, as a junior single-seater driver. And uh, from one week, well, I, I woke up three weeks later after the, the coma. And, uh, you know, I probably lost like 25 kilos. Uh, I couldn't even hold my phone up. That's how weak I was. I, I couldn't eat anything solid for about two weeks after the coma. So it, it was definitely like, you know, apart from everything else that was going on, the legs and everything, but that was also one thing that was on my mind, which was like, wow, all that work I have been putting in for the last 10 years kind of just um, went out the window. But 
you know, I just I just got back into it as soon as I could. You know, when, even when I was in the hospital and I was bedridden um, for those two months, I, I asked the the doctors to give me a couple of elastic bands. I tied them to my bed in the hospital and I was doing like curls, you know, with like uh, two pounds <laughs> in the beginning, then five pounds. The doctors were telling me I'm crazy. They're like, oh, you know, what, what are you doing? Um, but I was, I was just, you know, always thinking about my goals. And uh, that's the way it has been. And, you know, I think it's actually quite incredible that right now I'm almost as strong as I was <laughs> before the crash. You know, upper body wise, obviously my legs are still um, very damaged, but Upper body wise, I'm I'm ready to go, and and I've been ready to go already for some months. So, I think in like four to five months, I went from uh, being you know, 25 kilos underweight to being back in in in, in racing shape. So, I'm quite proud of that. Um, and now I'm just waiting on on my body to to heal. Juan Manuel, um, I've got to ask you this. Um, you know, I'm hoping to coax you uh, onto our show for Austria because obviously the, the rest of the competition will start there for F2. Um, and I'm sure you'll be interested. And I'm probably guessing this will be the first season that you have sat on the sidelines because you've been racing, you know, pretty much wall to wall. So how are you going to approach what uh, this season and in terms of trying to get something positive out of it besides just being, being you know... Uh, an audience fan, as it were. Uh, but, I mean, will you try to make it into a positive and, and, and watch it differently? Oh, uh, Definitely, definitely. I think um, I think I have to be careful uh, mentally-wise, to be honest, because uh, it will be tough. It will be tough to watch uh, my, my colleagues, um, you know, race, people that I was going to go and beat <laughs> this year uh, in Formula 2. And, you know, I, that's something that, Already I had in February of this year, right before the whole pandemic crisis, um, you know, they did the test in rain. And uh, that hit me really hard, to be honest with you. That, that was like a, a big blow because, um, you know, it's kind of like a slap in the face from reality that, yeah, you're going to miss the season and it's going to take a big toll on your face. So I think now I'm better prepared for it than I was in February. So it's a good thing that the pandemic happened in that sense. Um, and, and yeah, from the other... I, I just have to um, take it with a mature approach to, you know, at least get something from it, like you said, and, you know, watch it from the outside, um, observe what, what people are doing. There's always things you can learn from the outside. That's, that's for sure. Um, ideally, I was planning to be in Europe um, by the time the season began. So I, I said at the beginning around July, August, I want to be in Europe and actually go to some races. I have some offers to coach um, young F3 drivers. And that was an option. So, I mean, that's maybe still on the table for later this year. And uh, that way I can be, you know, in the paddock and just kind of maintain myself in the loop there. So that, that could be a positive. Well, one more. Well, we're coming up on the end of the, the of our time here. But I do have one last question for you. And it, I mean, it's a, it's a tough question, but you talked about maybe being able to come back and and jump back into Formula 2. <laughs> Is the opportunity still going to be there? I know that's always a, it's, it goes through my mind. And it's got to go through your mind, is and that's a tough question. But it, you, you think it's going to be there? Well, that's that's the the tough question and and the million dollar question for me. You know, um, I, I I can answer to your question from my perspective if I'm going to be ready, and that's a yes. I. I am confident that I will be able to drive the, the F2 car even after being a year out of it. Uh, I'm confident that physically I will be able to do it. Also with my leg, you know, even if I have to maybe make some modifications to the throttle. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that for me will not be the, the, the hardest part to overcome. But the hardest part will be, obviously, I, I've lost my sponsors. I've lost my seat. I've lost all my backing. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a big challenge. And I kind of have to throw myself in, in, in that world again and see if someone will take me and if, if I will get the backing needed. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a tough pill to swallow as well. You know, I, I had everything set, set out for the next uh, two years of my career. Um, I, I basically had another season in F2 guaranteed by my sponsors. And uh, this happened. So, yeah, it, it's not ideal at all. Well, it's you know, a tough question. Yeah, and, and Juan, thank you for sharing and being so candid. That that's 
Fascinating. Uh, you're always welcome at Trans Am on our e-championship. We'll be racing again next weekend, so come join us. But um, we are all right behind you here on Speed City, uh, no question about it. Uh, and we'd love to have your insight um, uh, at any of the races coming up, uh, whether it be F1, F2 or F3, because I think it's gold that, that you you know that uh, we've got time with you. And I know you want to be there, but uh, may maybe it'll help. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for the interview. And uh, I'll be back next week. <laughs> All right. Thanks, one more. We'll Thank talk you. to you soon. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right, guys, let's go ahead and take our last break. You're listening to Speed City. We're in Austin, Texas, and we'll be back after a quick break. Winding Road Racing is a leading provider of road racing and performance equipment at each of our locations in Texas, California, Georgia, and Kentucky. But we know some racers want that same high-quality gear, customer service, and pricing without leaving home. Check out the online store at windingroadracing.com. It's got all the same high-quality brands you've come to know us for. Alpine Stars, Stilo Helmets, Chill Out, and AIM Data Systems, all available at great prices and delivered directly to you with free shipping. Log on now, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Talk 13.7. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, guys, well, we have hit the ground running with two fantastic guests, but now I am so excited because... We've got Dave O'Neill, who used to be the team manager for the Haas F1 team, and we've got him for quite a bit of the season, and I am going to creep inside of his brain as much as I can. Just like all of you, we want to know. We've got somebody who's been there, done that at the highest level, and I'm just really excited to have you on board, Dave. And, and Jonathan, you had a question during the break we were talking about, but go ahead and ask Dave that. Yeah, it's a follow-on from what Gunter was saying about just the logistics. And I know because you've been in this position, and I'm sure you've thought you've thought for yourself about how you would do this because it really is a tough time for anybody who is a team principal to try to organize this and get the right numbers. He mentioned that the, the number was 60, and they've got it down to 58. But logistically, what would you be worried about returning to Austria and how you could effectively save both on on um, on manpower and and potentially even equipment that you don't need when you're rushing around to three races in a row. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's an interesting question. It's like you know, can you win the game with ten footballers? And it's yeah, yeah maybe you can, but um, you know, not every week sort of thing. So I mean, there's a lot of squash. It's a bit like a bit like squeezing a balloon. You know, you you have the mechanics, and the mechanics are there for a reason you know the the, the uh, an f1 car is split up from the front to the back so you'd have a front end mechanic um a number one who takes care of the the um the you know power unit putting the engine on the on the car and then a rear end mechanic who, who typically would take care of the the gearbox and crash structure and rear wing so those are kind of the mechanics we talk about and then you go into the specialized um areas the gearbox 
the gearbox technicians, the power unit technicians, um, and then the electronics, and then you go into the engineering side. And it's not as if the Formula One teams, I mean, they spend horrendous amounts of money, as we all know, and we talk about, and we love to hear about. But there isn't people, you know, sitting in the, in the motorhome, kicking the heels, doing nothing. You know, everyone has a job um, and a job to do. And the other thing that sort of squashes it from, from one end to the other would be the curfew time. So the reason the curfew times were put in in the beginning was so people didn't work 24 hours a day, you know, um, and, and, you know, end up being tired, making mistakes, leaving things loose on the car, cars, car goes off the circuit and you get the damage. So when you start looking the the operational personnel of 60 people, um, it's been discussed, you know, numerous times with team managers and chief mechanics and um, heads of heads of teams. And once you start putting down on paper what it actually requires, you can't really thin it out too much. You know, you, you can probably get away with maybe a couple of sub subassembly technicians. You can say, well, we don't need that if we took, you know, five front wings all built up to the circuit. We don't need to put them together there. But as F1 is, you can't really, you know, have these things built up because it's all lastminute.com. If you want the faster front wing, you've got to wait until the Wednesday to have it put on a van to take it out to the to Austria to put together for ready for Thursday morning for scrutineering um, and then put on the car for Friday to test it and do a back-to-back with the other. So it's like, well, you know, if we are really prepared, you tend to be really prepared because you've got more money and if you have more money, you do more testing, you do more testing, you tend to find more speed in the car or the components you're making. So it, it, is, it is a really difficult question. Um, you know, we, you talk about the 60, it takes something like 13 people to start an F1 car up um, and drop it on the ground, you know, with the tyre blankets, making sure all the sensors are calibrated, making sure that um, the driver's correct, the comms are correct for the driver. Um, and all the systems are working. So with those 13, 12, 13, 14 people, you can't really skim anything off that. And then you start building up the engineers in the background that take care of the stuff. And as mentioned, the, um, you know, the um, sub-assembly technicians in the background, the truckies who put the fuel in the car, the guys that look after the tire blankets out the back of the garage. Um, all of a sudden, you're back up to 58 or 60. And then you think, well, you know, what can I do? And you can't really do much. The only thing you can do is probably, you know, cut all the budgets to 10 million a team. And that's just not going to happen. And it wouldn't be F1, you know, if the budgets were there. So that's kind of the number. Um, and it's kind of what, what everyone sort of circles around is between 58 and 60. You know, you can't really do more than the 60. Yeah. 13 people just to get it started is what you said, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, it's going to be fascinating to see how this season plays out. I mean, we we less than a month now, I guess uh, July fifth, but but with all the teams having to to do whatever it takes in this crazy time, I, it's just going to be fascinating. Well, um, Dave, I got another question for you too. You know, you and I spoke yesterday. We touched on the reverse grid. We heard what Gunther said about reverse grid. He sounds like he's open to it, but I think you have a different opinion. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's kind of um, you know a lot of lot of other championships have tried the the reverse grid, and in some some cases it makes sense and it also works. Um, I think you know this. My opinion on it is um, you know it, I guess it will make racing better, but will it actually put people where they where they should be um, after a race weekend? Um, and that I'm not so sure about, you know, if you do spin the grid around um, and then most of the trouble is tends to be, you know, majority of the time tends to be in the middle of the, of the pack. So if you do put the, the fastest at the back, maybe that's what people want to see. Um, but it's still, in my opinion, um, maybe not F1, you know, it's, it's, it's not as, as clinical as it should be on that side. Um, it's never been fair, F1. Um, whether we're trying to make it fair now or not, um, I'm not so sure. Um, I guess the budget cap um, is going to help um, reduce that and also um, you know, help people concentrate on what is going to make the car quick rather than spending millions on things, you know, trying, trying lots of things that may or may not make it quicker. So, um, I don't know, 
long answer to the question. Um, I, I'd probably say it's probably a bit more Mickey Mouse doing the, 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 the reverse grid. Um, and you'll probably see maybe a bit more carnage from it. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see if it actually ever happens. So, yeah. Well, let me, let me, I mean, let me put it a different way then. I agree with you, actually. I think it is a bit Mickey Mouse, as we say in England, um, because it's not Formula One and it's not based on, you know, actual performance. And that's very much what Formula One's about. But let me look at it a different way. In the first few tracks that we're going to, could we potentially expect any surprises, given that everybody's hitting the ground running, given the nature of both Austria and Hungary? Could, I mean, we're, you know, we're presuming that Mercedes will be ready to go. Um, but could anybody create a surprise given those tracks? Um, I, th I think, I don't think too much is going to change up the top end, um, just purely because, the, you know, if we look at the testing times, etc. I do think that my personal opinion from, you know, seeing the, the, the results from last year, um, you know, Austria is a, a favourable track for the Red Bull team. Um, and, I can't see much changing there. Um, the temperatures are good this time of year, um, so the, the track's nice and warm. Um, the, it doesn't tend to die off or lose its heat over, over the night too much. Um, so I think favourable for Red Bull, um, probably. Maybe a little bit of an edge there. Um, we also don't know what the DAS system's going to do for Mercedes. You know, why did they invent it in the first place? Was it because, um, you know, their tyres were going off and the... the they weren't able to have the correct degradation over the course of the race. Um, and um, you know, th there's lots of areas which we can, I guess, get into and, and discuss. But I think, you know, Hungary is another sort of front limited circuit on that side. I know the, the McLaren, won, uh, sorry, um, the Mercedes won there last year. But, um, you know, Max had a bit, of a, a bit of a strange race. But, you know, he came back through the field as well. Um, and then Silverstone, again, you know, um, another, another interesting one. I think, um, I think that, you know, Red Bull have the pace there. Um, they've, you know, I'm sure Honda have found a bit more power as well over the winter. Um, did they show it in winter testing? Again, we, we, we don't know. Um, but hopefully, hopefully they have, you know, they've closed the front up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think the, you know, the first, first few races are going to be really interesting um, on that side. Um, look forward to seeing it, to be honest. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. it's been a while. Well, I have a, I, you know, we're almost out of time, guys, and I have a wrap-up question I want to ask both of you. I want to start with you, Jonathan. I, I want to ask you, what do we think, we t t what are we going to expect for the rest of this year? You know, we're going to get started, and we got this eight-race schedule you know, are we, if somebody gets sick, are we going to, you know, how's that going to affect things? What, what do you think is going to happen? Well, that's kind of why I threw that question at Dave is because I think if I look at Mercedes, what Mercedes have done, which is typically German in, in many ways is to be organized, move forward, you know, gain an advantage, use that advantage, stay on top of it uh, and be disciplined to the point of, you know, no team arguments, uh, a one and two driver, Drivers right on their very edge. Engineers the same. They very rarely drop the ball, as we've seen with Ferrari and Red Bull in the past. So, you know, I think that the, the, the only thing I can see stopping Mercedes is this sort of purveyance of race after race after race. And whoever drops any kind of a ball, even if it's just, you know, coming together with a, with a team at the beginning of, of, of Austria when they've only got, you know, a few days to get it back again. Um, in other words, just, just something that is unusual. So I do think that if there's going to be a crack in Mercedes armor, it's going to be the number of races and the amount of time they've got to recover from them, um, as, as a potential Achilles heel to such a well-oiled machine. So I think that's the best hope for the likes of Ferrari. And, you know, you've got to think that Leclerc is in the top of his game. He's proving that both in the cyberspace and in the real world. Um, you know, it's going to be, I think that's going to be where, if anybody's going to beat Mercedes, it's by by catching them on a, on an off weekend. Dave, you got about 15, 20 seconds left. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, my interesting um, point would be um, how prepared have the drivers kept themselves over this downtime? You know, yeah. um, we all know it's easy to get um, waylaid on things. Um, and also the other interesting bit is how much do the drivers rely on the fans to, to give them a good weekend? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's something you probably can't measure. But it, the, the bit for me is who's going to be on top of their game 
once um, FP1 starts in in Austria, um, yeah. and you know he's ready. He's ready and hasn't been sitting down doing nothing. So. Well, all right, guys. Well, we want to thank Gunther Steiner for coming on. Thank Juan Manuel Correa for coming on. And we are very excited about these four preseason shows. So stay tuned, and we will talk to you next week. Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.